from Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network at USA Today. This is the Trojans Wired Podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Zemick and Ian Hext. Welcome to the latest episode of Trojans Wired, the podcast, which is a production of the website Trojans Wire, part of the College Wire Network. I'm Matt Zemeck, he's Ian Hest, and uh, you know, Arizona State, we didn't figure it to be a very eventful game, and it, and it wasn't. I mean, it was an interesting game in terms of Caleb Williams stuffing the highlight reel. I mean, that jump pass, scissor kick, throw, absolutely amazing. He's a magician, and I think a starting point, Ian, is that You know, Caleb Williams has such amazing athletic ability, such amazing natural instincts. He thinks he can fit in that tough throw. He thinks he can make that acrobatic play, and that can get him in trouble. He makes some very difficult against-his-body throws, and he finally threw his first interception of the season in the red zone. You know, there is something to be said for trusting your talent, but he also has to trust the percentages. He also has to trust the structure and the system. So that notion of trusting yourself, but also working within the system, striking that balance under Lincoln Riley, that is something that really is a a big key heading into this big game against Washington State. You know, I agree with you, but I also disagree with you in the fact that I like my quarterback to do that once in a while. You know, like, just, just see if you got it. Patrick Mahomes does this all the time, right? Where he makes throws that you think, what, what are you doing? And they, and they wind up turning out great. You're right about the percentages. They would say for a normal quarterback that they're very low in a situation like that. But Caleb isn't a normal quarterback. He's an elite quarterback. And so that that does come into play. He thinks he can do it. And sometimes he's right <laughs> about that. And, you know, I, I just go back to, like, the, the drive chart from this game. It was touchdown, 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 punt in the first half. Like they 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 were rolling. There's no reason to believe to start that second half that that he wasn't going to fit in exactly where he left off. And and I think that you know we saw for the really for the first time against a Pac-12 opponent, I would say one of those games for USC where where the offense is just gonna take care of business and the defense might allow teams to linger a little bit, but you know that just more points are coming around the doorstep. And, and, and that to me was, was a lot of what happened. And, and so it doesn't really bother me that Caleb attempted it, uh, you know, whatever, I, how, how late in the season was it going to be until he got his first pick, right? Like it, it was inevitable, but I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with my quarterback trying something like that. Just don't try it too often, right? Absolutely. That you do do want him to make that clutch play, to make that big throw, play that most other quarterbacks can't make. Absolutely. It's just you don't want to pressure your luck too often. And you do want to work within a system. Somebody made the comment that, you know, his interception was on a first and goal. You know, if it's third and ten, by all means, like make the adventurous play. You know, you have to do something on a possession. You know, third and ten. Uh, fourth and five, but of course you have to take the risks. And that really is when Caleb Williams is at his best. But first and goal, and, and someone also made the point, you know, ASU was sitting back in coverage, daring USC to run. 
hey, make the check at the line of scrimmage, go to a running play. If that's what they're giving you, you know, it's a, it goes again to take what the defense gives you. Be happy to take six yards. You know, not every play is going to be a splash play. Not every play is going to be a touchdown. So, you know, that that is a learning uh, moment for Caleb Williams. And, and it's great. It's great that it happened in a win. So, like, you didn't pay the ultimate price for it. And this is something to just put in the memory bank going ahead, ahead into these big games against Washington State and Utah the next two weeks. I, yeah, I hear you on that. I, I guess to your point, though, like, how, how much do you think Caleb has the freedom to check out of something like that? I, I'm not sold that that – he, he would be allowed to check to run from there. Maybe a different pass play, I guess, but I, I don't know. I feel like Lincoln Riley's play calling is pretty set in stone for, for how he wants it to go. I, I, I'm not convinced at all that Caleb would have the ability to check out even if he saw something. Well, I mean, one of the reasons Caleb Williams – went to USC. He wanted Lincoln Riley's coaching. He wanted his development. And, you know, the two of them, they, they've said in public before the season began, like they're on the same page. They understand each other. I'm thinking that, you know, we're, we're now in year two. And of course, Caleb Williams had a full off season to really absorb Lincoln Riley's concepts and, and understand what Lincoln Riley wants at a greater level. I think, I think there's certainly a measure of freedom. It might not be total, but I think that, you know, if he sees something, I certainly think that Lincoln Riley is going to say, you know what? OK, like that, that I want you to be able to make the pre-snap read and, and the adjustment. Uh, and, you know, you, he might want Caleb to pursue the the the, the first read or, you know, the primary uh, aim of a play. But but I think that, you know, if Caleb sees numbers in the box and he sees a different landscape that Lincoln Riley is not going to be. Uh, upset if he if he checks to uh, a running play or, or, or something different. Um, you know, I think next year it, uh, the dynamic would probably be you know different from what it is right now. I think I think that's certainly true that we're not at a point where Caleb Williams has total one you know one hundred percent freedom, but I don't think it's an absolute lockdown on the part of uh, Lincoln Riley insisting that Caleb has to go through uh, with each and every play. Uh, and I think the other thing is, you know, we remember from the Oregon State game a week ago, he tried to fit in a throw into the end zone when he could have either run for a touchdown or at least run for a first down in the red zone. That that play from a week ago really underscores on this interception, you know, the, the kinds of decisions that Caleb Williams is making. And I think the only other point to make here, Ian, is that if he's checking into a run play, I think that shows Lincoln Riley right there that, hey, I'm willing to be patient. I'm willing to not have to put everything on myself. I think that is something that Lincoln Riley uh, would welcome if he sees that from Caleb Williams in future games this season. I don't I don't disagree with you, but but Caleb does do a lot of the check to me is to the sideline quite a bit. Uh, so I guess like yes. it would still it would still be like a work in progress, I guess, is all that I'm saying. I think I think that is fair to say. All right, as we move along with you know evaluating Arizona State and really more of the focus is going to be on Washington State. Uh, you know, a really big game. Uh, I've noted that it's the second biggest home game on the schedule, Notre Dame being the first. Uh, USC's next home game after Washington State isn't until November five, and that's against Cal. And uh, Cal got handled pretty easily by this Washington State team. 
so really, if there's a time for USC fans to show that like this is the Pete Carroll 2.0 era, uh, this is it. Uh, 62,133, the amount of tickets sold announced by the USC Athletic Department uh, during this game. So that's 15,000 empties. Uh, now, of course, this was Arizona State and it was a late night game. So I don't blame people for staying home. I don't, you know, that that's a decent crowd given the opponent and the time slot. But Washington State, this is a 4:40 p.m. game, prime time on Fox. This this is you know central visibility. It's the it's the late afternoon, early evening game that USC fans like. This is the kind of time slot that shows that you're relevant again. Uh, this is the time for USC fans to pack the Coliseum with 77,000. And so as we as we move to Washington State, in one thing to note, Jordan Lee transfer from Nevada. He's a strong safety. He was not in the lineup for Washington State against Oregon. And so his absence really showed up when Oregon was able to throw the ball downfield late in that game, score 22 points, you know, two two touchdowns on offense plus a pick six, two touchdowns on offense in a few minutes. Jordan Lee came back uh for Washington State's domination of Cal, allowing only 9 points to the Golden Bears. And so Washington State might have the critical piece it needs in the secondary. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting challenge for USC's offense because uh, John Wilner, you know, the Pac-12 insider at the San Jose Mercury News, the Wilner hotline, he said, Ian, that uh, 296 of Washington State's 300 defensive minutes this year have been good ones, except for those four minutes against Oregon. So this this could be the toughest challenge yet for for uh, USC's offense, obviously Oregon State put up a great fight, but you know this is another high stakes game. Uh, and Jake Dicker is a defense first coach. What what are your overall impressions about the matchup between USC's offense and Washington State's defense coming up here in Week Six in the Coliseum? Yeah, I, I saw Wilner say that, and, and let's be honest, this probably is the best defense that they. I don't, I don't know, maybe Oregon State's better at, at on defense, but marginally right so so we're talking a similar game um I, I i hear your point in the secondary i still don't have a cause for concern washington state is sort of hanging their hat on that wisconsin win which looks not great a couple of weeks later right that washington or wisconsin has already moved on from paul christ so um i i don't know i i don't see usc being troubled in this game the the fear i would have is looking ahead to utah and and not taking this with the severity or with the necessity that it requires. Uh, the other really big story coming out of the Arizona State game heading into Washington State is the offensive line. I mean, I, and and hey, you know, we know that the defense is a work in progress. We know that the defense is not going to play as well as it did against Oregon State in most games. For me, the real key is the health of that offensive line and Justin Dedich. Uh, an interior lineman, you know, he did not play in this game. Cortland Ford, who's been, you know, sharing snaps with Bobby Haskins at left tackle, he played a little bit early on, but he committed a holding penalty, which wiped out a long Mario Williams touchdown. So he played minimal snaps, talking about Cortland Ford. Dietrich didn't play at all. It's great that USC could get through that Arizona State game with two, two of its starting offensive linemen either not playing or barely playing at all. And so if this week can get those guys much healthier, 
to a point where they can play and be reasonably effective, well, that just raises the ceiling for this offense because we've said it all offseason. If you have the healthy starting offensive lineman in place and playing, this offense is just going to take off because you have elite pass protection. You have elite run blocking. To me, and that's really the key, can Dietrich and Ford be healthy and make significant contributions against Washington State? Yeah, and I know I sound like a broken record on this, but I do believe that Travis Dye like deserves a lot more credit than what he's getting. Like that having that safety valve is so vital. It it relaxes an offense. And and the offensive line, like you mentioned, the run blocking is superb. And it, that has attributed a lot to what this offense is able to accomplish because they're not necessarily under the pressure that you would be if you're you know, only like one dimensional, like they possibly could be. So I hear your point on, on the offensive line, um, especially in pass blocking, because Caleb has to stay upright in order to not be having to make all those crazy plays. Uh, I, I guess where I find solace is the idea that the running game has been the great equalizer for them when they are in panic situations, the running game has been able to bail them out. And I, and I look at, at a Washington state's defense that, really could again be susceptible to another good game from him. It's it's a really great luxury for this USC offense that already has a plethora of talent to have and and to really ease what what could be that pressure that you're talking about in terms of what they need to do to stay ahead of schedule to continue on the progress that they have um if they can rely on that, even in a third and medium, in a, in a second and long, that changes the dynamic of an offense. And I, and I think that that's where they need to turn, especially with a banged-up offensive line. Final point on this game, Ian, is, uh, as we wind down. Uh, Cam Ward, you know, he's the transfer quarterback for Washington State, came from Immaculate Word where he set all sorts of passing records. He's had an up-and-down season, but, but he makes some incredible throws. Like he has some Caleb Williams in him just in terms of being able to make throws that no one else can make, but he's very inconsistent. He doesn't have Caleb Williams higher floor. He has a high ceiling, but he, but his floor is a lot lower. How concerned are you about USC's ability to defend Cam Ward in this game? Uh, scale of one to 10, three. I mean, it's possible, but unlikely. I, I, I think that like USC is going to give up points. We know that, but, They've really impressed me with their ability to force turnovers, um, and, and I and I don't think that that is necessarily as much of an anomaly as we make it out to be a lot of the time in college football. I, I think that there is a, a, a talent or a schematic thing that is associated with that, and and they are good at baiting you into mistakes. And I think that Cam Ward, like you said, he's susceptible to it. And, and so, sure, he can hit you with a big play, and USC can give up a big play, but he can also give you turnovers. And USC has shown me in the first couple of weeks of the season that they, they'll, they'll gladly take them if you offer it up to them. So uh, I guess like the danger is always out there, but they've shown enough, I think, for us to at least tap the brakes on the panic mode on the defense. Uh, I'm not calling it elite. I'm not even necessarily thinking that it's great or good or anything like that, but I don't think that it's as dire of a situation as I would have told you a month ago. One word answer in Utah or UCLA in that big game uh, before USC Wazoo. 
Utah, I, UCLA, I, I, I don't understand. Utah. All right. Ian, thanks so much for another week on Trojans Wired. And so Los Angeles is the center of the Pac-12 universe with UCLA hosting Utah in the afternoon, USC hosting Washington State in the evening. It's all about college football in L.A. Dodgers are going to be off this weekend. So really, folks, if you're listening to this Trojans Wired podcast, and uh, you have a chance to buy a ticket, get to the Coliseum. This team needs your support on Saturday evening. That's all for this week of Trojans Wired. Uh, myself, Matt Zemek, and Ian Hest will be back next week with another episode of our show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>